Welcome to the Straw Hat Social Club. I'm Todd. I'm Becca. Uh, today we're bringing you another side piece episode because we don't just do one piece on here. Um, we're still going through some anime from when we were younger that was influential to us, and it is impossible to do that without talking about Sailor Moon. <laughs> I think Sailor Moon, of all things, was really big for both of us when we were younger. Um, I mean, do you? Why don't you go into first? Like, what is your history with Sailor Moon? So I first started watching Sailor Moon at a neighbor's house when I would stay with my grandmother, and mm-hmm. that was the only time I really got to watch Sailor Moon. Like the TV show? The, it was mostly the TV show, and then also what we're about to talk about today. Okay. So she she mostly had like. All of the cool Sailor Moon toys, and she mm. had the tapes and stuff. So we would watch them and, you know, dance. Uh, with, you know, like you do. You know. When watching Sailor well, Moon. Well, you're yeah. going to copy the magic makeup oh, transformation. Yeah. Oh, man. That is so funny. Because <laughs> I feel like while you were doing that, I was imitating the Ninja Turtles and like beating the shit out of my friends. Like, <laughs> I mean, I still did that version. too. I okay. did Power Rangers too and oh, yeah. would beat up, you know, I'm not going to say his name, but my childhood friend that you know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, for me, I think what's interesting, since I'm a little older than you, um, when the show started in like 94, right? In America? Um, I think so. Okay. Yes. So... For me, you know, back then, this was still the era when I think companies were trying to figure out how to sell anime to an American audience, you know, so there wasn't a whole lot of anime available, like especially on TV, but Sailor Moon was one of the early ones. And so for me, it was just something that was so different than what I was used to seeing and I was starting to get into anime because of my friends and everything. So seeing this that was actually airing on television, um, I would wake up at like five in the morning or something before school just to watch Sailor Moon before getting ready to go to school. Because it's, it's kind of all there was. But, you know, Sailor Moon, we'll get into it. But it was definitely, it was very different from what you were used to seeing at the time on TV, like as far as cartoons because it was still mostly, you know, Nickelodeon shows and like very different. It wasn't stuff that was like a a central storyline. It was more like individual little like fun episodes. So it felt more, I guess, like grown up for lack of a better term. But I can say that I, I never saw the movie. I only saw the, the TV show. Um, so uh, this is my first time. Let me just say... That I also, I guess I watched the movie, you know, when I was younger. I want to say I was nine or ten. Um, yeah. But I didn't, like, watch the movie. And I realized that when we watched it now because oh, yeah. of how crazy it is. You know, like, we were doing other things while watching it. I'm pretty sure we were, like, looking at Team Bop or something like yeah. while <laughs> watching it at the same time. Well, it does have a weird history because I think it... it came out in like the late 90s or something when did the movie come out in america um the movie came out in america around like 1999 to 2000 okay yeah because i saw it it was released in theaters in 2017 which is like man what a wild it's so history yeah because it came out in like 93 or something in japan 99 here theaters Mm -hmm. in 2017 yeah very strange but i mean sailor moon definitely transcends generations it's it still seems to be very popular and there's so many different iterations because that's the other thing when we were watching the movie i mean we're going to get into it but i i realized i had so much trouble following along with what was happening in the story and asking you like like when there was a little chibi sailor moon it's like wait who is she like is that <laughs> is that sailor moon's daughter like i don't remember any of this stuff you know well, I mean, I didn't really know any of the lore either when I was younger. I just watched the show. I didn't like well, yeah, exactly. dig deep into Sailor Moon lore. I learned a lot of that stuff when I got older and I got back into it. Yeah. And uh, I think it's, it is also interesting because back then with uh, the different translations, you know, I think we talked about how like I knew Sailor Moon as Serena and Tuxedo Mask mm-hmm. as Darien. 
And those are obviously like the English ass names that they gave to them over here. Yeah. What's funny about that is that I did not remember her being Serena or Darian until I read about it. And I was like, oh, yeah, it was. Yeah. Because when I got older, I started watching it in Japanese. And obviously, it's just newer as Usagi. So. Yeah. Well, from what I saw, because obviously I didn't know all this at the time, but it seems like the company DIC originally released in America, which I do remember seeing that logo all the time. Yeah, DIC was an American company. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I think that that was, you know, we, we've kind of gone into this a bit with the side piece stuff and even with uh, One Piece and remember Four Kids, they were the ones that originally brought it out mm-hmm. over here. It seems like at the time they really felt like if we're going to release this in America, no one's going to no- understand this at all. They're not going to know what the fuck's going on. Like they had no faith in the audience here. It was no. like, we need to Americanize the shit out of this or they're not going to get it at all. Yeah, they definitely took a lot of the Japanese representation out of the original when it was released here, which makes the story confusing. Yeah, I saw some details that were funny to me, like how they would be eating like little snack rice balls, but they call them donuts. And I remember (laughs) even as a kid being very confused by that and just being like, okay, I guess that's what Japanese donuts are like, little balls. I'll agree with that because I'm pretty sure, I don't want to, I don't know this for sure, but I'm pretty sure in the American version, they would call Usagi donut head instead of bun head, which she's supposed to be bun head. Not Donut Head, because Donut yeah, Head doesn't funny. make any sense. <laughs> that's so funny. But but it does seem like, from what I saw, Viz actually took over the rights at some point, and they kind of restored all the original stuff, which, again, seems to be a common theme You know that happened with One Piece, how four kids butchered it for America, and then it was taken over and made back into its original version. Because I guess at a certain point, they realize, like, people aren't that stupid. Like, <laughs> I don't know if it's so much they think yeah. people are going to be stupid or they just wanted to make it American. Well, they also might have just realized over time that there was enough of a fan base that actually cared about, you know, preserving the Japanese aspects of it that they, I'm sure they thought, like, okay, we can resell this again. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did... Uh, Something that I have thought about is, um, I think we talked about this a little bit, but are you familiar with like the difference between shonen and shoujo, uh, like types of stories in, in anime and manga? I'll say I have like the lightest bit of basic knowledge on it. Okay. And that's about it. Well, I think we'll get into like what shonen means more on like the One Piece side. I'm sure there are plenty of people listening who know all this but this is the fun of the podcast is getting to <laughs> explain this stuff to you um what is interesting is you know sailor moon is considered shoujo which is like basically and i'm probably saying that like american is shit shoujo but it's made for like a adolescent female audience like that's kind of what it's targeted at um which again that's like a whole other discussion is how you know <laughs> when we were kids i guess this was a thing in japan just like in america that stuff was very clearly like oh this is for boys and this is for girls and it's marketed to hell and back to make it like as specific as possible mm-hmm. to that group of people but shoujo stuff tended to be you know more of a focus on human relationships and emotions and um had like the big detailed eyes and the artwork you know, it was pretty common. And it also had more focus on characters that defied like traditional gender and sexuality roles and stereotypes, which I think we could definitely get into with uh, the story here, because some of that was very surprising for that era. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have thought about how it's interesting when I was a, a kid, for whatever reason, most of the stuff that I was getting into was more like shoujo type stuff. And I'm honestly kind of proud of like the little me (laughs) for liking that stuff and not even caring or thinking about the fact that, you know, this isn't like traditionally made for boys, but I love that shit. Like I said, I get up every morning early to watch Sailor Moon. And even like the whole, the whole magic girl girl thing, I think I told you is like a whole genre like red riding a cha-cha which we brought up before on here is another like magical girl type show and you can really see the similarities um because there's like little tropes and stuff that are very common 
which again we'll probably get into. Um, Just to note, I yeah. will say because I did a little bit more research not too much so don't buddy, anybody come after me this is just yeah. what i've been learning more as i delve into it um that most sailor moon fans do not like to label it shoujo just because they feel like the original artist which i need to have her uh naoko takiochi sure she um she had her own style and fans like to say that that's just her style Sure, that's and very fair. I think that that's fair and a nice compliment to her as an illustrator. Well, I mean, I will say, of course, all of these yeah. kind of labels are pretty meaningless, yeah. you know. Um, it's not to say it's wrong. It's just, this, I think, yeah. as broad stereotypes, I guess. Yeah, I just think it's nice that the fans as a community, for what it seems, like to just give her that credit of oh, having sure. such a unique style which if you see some of her drawings like it's definitely her own kind of style yeah that's very fair i mean that's you know it's interesting because um that same era i got into ron mo and half which was also made by a female artist and you can tell like ranma is traditionally like seen as a shonen because it's like got a lot of kung fu and fighting and male main character but that male main character can also become a female like their gender fluid is part of the whole like core idea of that series and there are plenty of elements to that that are focused more on relationships and stuff like that so a lot of these labels don't really mean anything it's just very broad but there are kind of there are some stereotypes like some of the ones that i mentioned that can still apply you know and again we'll get into that with the one piece stuff because there are definitely some very shonen style stereotypes that apply to one piece some of them one piece helped to like originate i guess you know it was very influential in that way but anyway i guess that's enough of an intro um as a reminder for side piece the way we structure it is first we're going to talk about the art and animation then we're going to go through the story, which you are going <laughs> to kind of take over this time. And then we'll get into our final thoughts, and that'll be that. So, why don't we get into the art and animation of it? So, I mean, Sailor Moon, I don't know, do you want to give uh, some initial thoughts on the, that side of things? Well, I mean, I love the art. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's just obvious. I, I just hit my elbow on the table. Okay. Yeah, good. Um, I, I've always loved Sailor Moon art. It's probably, I think without even realizing it, it's influenced my own art, like the way I use colors and everything. And I love drawing like, oh, yeah. you know women being badasses so mm -hmm, i mean i mm -hmm, think that mm -hmm. that had a lot a lot of influence on me anyway um well i think we we also pointed out watching it that the funny thing about sailor moon is it's basically a bunch of girls in schoolgirl outfits with tiaras and scepters who when aliens invade earth they just get like danced on while they're like <laughs> swinging fucking scepters around beating <laughs> the shit out of them like yeah <laughs> That's pretty... I mean, not only are they slaying, like, they're literally, they're literally slaying literally while slaying. Like <laughs> dancing on the corpses of their enemies. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, did, I did think it's funny because, um, you know, I talked about Shonen versus Chojo, those stereotypes and stuff. And the truth is, when I was first getting into, like, drawing this kind of stuff when I was a kid, I definitely focus i think when i would draw the faces i would draw the eyes first because mm -hmm. i think that was just such a like huge part of this style was like those big detailed eyes and i definitely emulated that even when i was drawing like tough dudes with swords I, they still had these big <laughs> eyes I, I love that so much i really wish i could see that uh, yeah <laughs> unfortunately lost all of that stuff but it shows like how much of an influence that this had like i just for whatever reason, really like that about the art style. And that's, you know, common in a lot of art. Although it is funny thinking about now, because going back to those stereotypes, you think of One Piece, 
their eyes are like they're not done in that style at all they're like very mm-hmm. basic no i think the i think oda puts a lot of like emphasis on the character's traits like yeah. you see those traits exaggerated more than like big bubbly eyes yeah it's just something i never really thought about until uh you know really looking into that stuff and it also it's it's funny to point out that uh, another another thing that's kind of different is usually with shonen type anime, the budget is spent on like, you know, the fighting scenes and stuff. And you can see that where like the character scenes tend to be more basic and then they get in the fights and all of a sudden it's like super smooth and well animated and everything. Whereas something like Sailor Moon, the budget goes to like the transformation mm-hmm. scenes, you know. That was something I wanted to point out because I, again, I never really thought about this as a kid, but it's funny now that when they get in the fights it's not like these big choreographed fights like you would have in something like one piece it's like you have these reused animations for the transformations and the attacks and it's literally like yeah let's play this animation of her using this attack then we have like a shot of the monster responding to the attack (laughs) and that's basically it but those animations are so cool that it's like it it bops every time it still looks awesome when we were watching it you mentioned it and i it that was the first time i ever really realized that they're recycling transformations that's exactly what they do all the time but it works well it's it's probably been like 20 years since at least for me it's been probably that long since i've really watched this so i'm definitely bringing a different perspective yeah i i started getting back into sailor moon around college very lightly i would watch like in between classes or something. Yeah. And then I really got back into it probably around like 2020 because during the pandemic, you know, I had time to just watch that stuff. Not a lot else to do. Yeah. Yeah. And stuff like this definitely takes you back to like a happy place. Yes. <laughs> you know. But it, but yeah, I do want to reiterate though, like the the animations for like the transformations and stuff, they, they are pretty awesome. Like mm-hmm. they still hold up. They're just... Uh, very cool like when uh oh man i don't remember specifically what does she say when she transforms in the sailor moon magic moon makeup i think wait magic hold on maybe it's her attack but there's that part where she like swings the the fucking scepter around (laughs) while she's saying the thing and it's like that slaps every time it's just like oh shit like she is fucking them up it doesn't matter. It's, what's so funny is I'm trying to look for the exact, like, saying, which for it's fleeted my mind right now. But it's showing me Sailor Moon makeup. It's Hell like yeah. this. So I just, like, um, moon prism power makeup. There That's we go. what it is. Yeah. And it's the most beautiful transition I've ever seen in my life. And I think that transition has been... Like this specifically, which I'll post on the socials so that everyone knows what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, I want that like permanently on me. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I think it's so beautiful. And I know I've seen it's so many cool. tattoos. I saw a cosplayer on TikTok that made an actual costume of this and it looks so awesome. Uh, if I can sick. find the video, I'll post it to our socials and tag the creator because it's, it's such a beautiful uh, cosplay of that it transformation. Is fu- it is funny that Sailor Moon definitely gets like the coolest animations and stuff. <laughs> just so you you know, like yeah, she's the boss. All right. <laughs> um, even though Sailor Mars, that was always my lady. That <laughs> yeah, was, of that course. Was my favorite. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was always a huge. Well, of course, I loved Sailor Moon. I wanted to be Sailor Moon. Yeah. I also. Loved- I wanted to be Tuxedo Mask. <laughs> So it works out. But I I also loved Venus, too. Sailor Venus. I loved her because oh, I loved yeah. her bangs, and she was so cool. Like, she was always, like, the cool older sister. You could pull off Sailor Venus, I think. <laughs> yeah, okay. But it was, like, yeah, the, the art style was, like, very bright and colorful and flashy. And, again, like, for middle school me, it, it looked very different from everything that I was used to seeing on television, you know. I don't know. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about, about the art and everything? Well, going into uh, Takahuchi's background a little bit with her art. Sure. um, I just think it's cool to note that she went to school to 
be a pharmacist and she got a degree in chemistry. Oh, really? And, yeah. And then after she graduated, she wanted to make Sailor Moon. Like she was like doing that already. Mm. And very briefly, I think it's really cool to mention that in school, she was in astronomy club and manga club. Makes sense. Yeah. So it's just off of Sailor Moon itself. You know, she was very interested in like chemistry and science and to see that like poured into a character like that is really cool. And that's yeah. why there's a lot of characters named after gemstones because she like had them like take this personification of a gemstone, which I think is a really cool way. Yeah, wasn't there like the bad guys were yeah. gemstones and then the Sailor Scouts were planets? Yeah. So, yeah, that makes sense. So is there anything else you want to touch on? Yes, just one more thing. Um, I have read in a couple of articles that she does wish that she drew Usagi a little bit more chubbier. Oh, yeah. Um, just as like representation for loving your body as is and, yeah, sure. and things like that. And I think that it's interesting that you know, she she had that wish to, to make her a little bit more body inclusive just because she knew her audience so well. Yeah. But, I mean, it was very typical for characters to be, you know, thin blonde girls back then. Yeah, I, I could see, especially in that era, especially if this is, like, what she was working on right out of college, I could see her being influenced to maybe not do that. Yeah. <laughs> maybe things weren't as progressive as they yeah. are now. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's also been, in some interviews, she has said that she relates closely to Usagi, which makes sense. You see that a lot in, like, pieces of writing where authors kind of, like, take their own life experiences and put them into a story. So it's that same type of idea. Yeah, I will say it's it's nice for her character that she's the leader, but she's, like, kind of bumbling and clumsy and, mm -hmm. you know, but she, but she has that big heart and... Um, she has the most badass powers. Yeah. So. And Usagi's family is all named after people in her family, too. So the mom and oh, dad okay. are her mom and dad's name and her brother. And That's cool. Yeah. All right. Well, why don't we move on to the story? And yeah, this one is uh, going to be kind of interesting because usually I take over for this. But when we are watching it. Um, like I said, I, I was enjoying it. I was really having fun. This, like I said, this is my first time watching this, the movie. Um, but there were definitely times when I was just kind of like, yeah, I have no fucking idea what's going on, but I'm here for the vibes. It's all good. Yeah. So I'm hoping you can help explain to me. Because uh, there, there are certain things like the, the villain that pops up. Isn't he like recurring in some way? Because they seem to recognize each other. Uh, yeah. So... I guess just starting... Why don't we, yeah, let's take it back to the beginning. Yeah. I just want to say, like, yeah. there, are, there are definitely characters popping up where I'm like, I'm probably supposed to know who that is, and I have no idea. Well, I'm not really going to go into lore, because I can't correctly do that. No, that's probably a good idea. I don't... I don't have... I don't... Between us doing this podcast with One Piece and, you know, the side piece, I can only do so much <laughs> yeah, personal it's research. To, it's a lot to bite off with this. But I will say... If we just want to get into the story. Sure. Um, it starts off with we perceive as like Mamaru, you know, tuxedo mask as a boy. Uh -huh. And he's talking with this other boy. And what's so crazy to me is that you can clearly tell that this is some sort of like romantic relationship. Like they, oh, yeah. they have love for each other. And I will say in the American version, I don't think there was any of this. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. If that still exists somewhere. Well, I did want to touch on, I'm sure that you are very familiar, but it was interesting for me to see that um, Takeuchi, that's her name, right? Mm -hmm. So she mentioned that, you know, in the series, Sailor Uranus and Sailor Neptune were canonically lesbian. Mm -hmm. And she did that to basically show that, you know, friendship between two girls can become a romance. Yes. And she didn't shy away from that. There's also, obviously, in the movie, depictions of Tuxedo Mask being kind of bisexual. Mm -hmm. um, so that was a big part of the series from the get-go. But when it was originally brought to America, 
they stripped all that stuff from every, every version, not just America. It seems like everywhere outside of Japan initially, they took all that stuff out. So I'm, I'm betting the relationship between Uranus and Neptune was very toned down. Oh, well, yeah. Because I don't show, even remember Yeah, it. no, I don't think you would ever pick up from that. The other alien boy, he is gay, and his name's Fiore. Okay. And he promises Mamoru that he's going to find the most beautiful flower and bring it back to him. Uh, that's right. Yeah. So what, did he just, like, fall to Earth randomly or something? Um, yeah, sort of. Okay. I don't. I don't know if I can really, like, I can't put together that story in my head really eh, it's fine but he he ends up there and there are two boys that basically are on their own and they're taking care of each other because okay. mamaru's parents had passed away so he was an orphan and he really didn't have anybody but then of course later on in the story we find out that fiori was not the only one that was there for him okay so then alien boy leaves to find a flower yes for our boy tuxedo mask mm-hmm and I mean, he. What has he gone for? Like fifteen years? Or something? Yeah, he's okay. gone for a really long Jesus time. Jesus Christ! Can you imagine if I was like, I'm gonna find the best flower in the world for you? See in fifteen years. Like I don't well, know I how happy you'd be if I came back with a space flower. Would that be enough to make up for that? I don't know if it's this space flower. Probably not. Okay. Yeah, it didn't look that special. I'm gonna be honest. Well, I mean, it was basically this little naked lady living inside of a flower. Oh, I the forgot. Flower. Okay, that's yes. right. So this flower feeds off of human energy. Yeah, okay. And it obviously poses a threat to the world. I think what's funny is, you know, we, we get that flashback of Mamoru and Fiore, and then we're back in, like, present day, and Mamoru right. is hanging out with Usagi. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can remember when, when he shows up, it's basically like a, who's this bitch? Like, that kind of <laughs> attitude. Yeah, they're, like, in the garden or, like, you know, like a garden greenhouse thing. And, like, yeah. all the all the Sailor Scouts are watching her kiss Mamoru, yeah. which is also <laughs> just, like, weird. weird. Yeah. I don't know. And especially uh, Chibiusa, who's always jealous. Okay, hold on. <laughs> we have to take a step back here because this was something I asked you. was, like, who who is this little child? Because I remember from the cartoon, but it's mm-hmm. been, like, 20 years. Mm-hmm. It's been more than that because I was in middle school. Yeah. Um, so did you figure out like what, what was the relationship there? I want to say, unfortunately, yes. Cause okay. when I was, when I was younger, I always just assumed she was like a little sister. She is not. Okay. She is canonically Mamoru and, uh, Sailor Moon's, well, Mamoru and Usagi's daughter. So, okay. And I still, I don't... I think I remember that. Yeah. I, but was she, like, from the future or something? Yeah. She's okay. from the future. And I. the thing is, is, like, I don't know if Sailor Moon knows. Or okay, if, Like, yeah. I, I can't put that together to know. But it's all very confusing. And it, found, it feels like fan fiction, it, basically. <laughs> it does, and it doesn't really lend any anything to the story, really. Like, it's... In this movie, it... You don't need to know. Yeah, she's just there. Because this definitely, I don't know when this fits into the timeline. Did you ever figure that out? Oh, no. Because it's definitely not, it's definitely like not in the beginning or anything. Because Chibi, Sailor Moon, whatever her name is, she wasn't there in the beginning. So I remember popping up later. Yeah, I know Sailor Moon has arcs, like One Piece. Yeah, well, so, I think they have, like, seasons for Sailor Moon. Well, yeah. So so I'm only really familiar with the first arc, which is the Dark Kingdom arc. Okay. Which is the first arc. And I'm not going to go through all that. It's not really necessary for the story. You can watch this on its own and not know everything. Yeah. And also, I don't have the time to go in, and I'm already studying One Piece arcs. So I, I, All I can say I remember is that I remember there being that first arc and there's the big bad guy who is sending people after them. And then I guess they beat her. And this was another one of those things that as a child was like so wild that like they beat the bad guy and she's gone. And then there's like new bad guys that come in. And it it just the way it feels like this big story that goes through these different stages. Because you look at something like G.I. Joe or Transformers, it's like they have the same bad guys. 
But like in Transformers, it's like Megatron's the bad guy. And it's like, that's it. Like the whole series, <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's just them fighting Megatron. So the idea that like they could defeat this villain and then move on to another stage. And I remember there being like new Sailor Scouts that came mm-hmm. in. And, and of course, the little chibi Sailor Moon, like... They just made it feel like a much bigger story that was actually going places. And I also, I did want to point out, because I thought it was interesting, we mentioned something, because I think the the Sailor Scouts, like, quote-unquote, like, die. Like, they get kind of defeated in the movie, but Uh, they're obviously not dead, you know. And I I read that um, Takeuchi, she originally wanted to kill the sailors off in the manga, and her editors were like, no, 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 no. Like, we can't do that. (laughs) And then apparently in the in the anime i don't remember this at all either um they actually wound up using a similar idea where they were killed but then like reincarnated back Mm -hmm. and i think she was kind of like okay guys like i wanted to do that Mm -hmm. and that wasn't okay you know but i think it makes sense to the story i mean i'm also not going to really get into that either you know sailor sailor moon is a reincarnation herself i'm not really going to get into all of that yeah because there's more than this than this movie really needs right now um, oh yeah to go through and we're already kind of adhding our way through the story yeah we've uh diverged quite a bit yeah so back to the story uh alien boy comes back (laughs) he's got his flower that has a little lady in it so the flower was feeding him like <laughs> so ridiculous. Well, I mean, come on, here. this is anime. Like, this is just <laughs> this is what it is. So this, there's a. <laughs> Hold on. Oh my god. There's a lady in the flower, who projects like negative energy or something. Yeah, so she makes him. Like, yes, she has like infected him sort right. of, in a way with this energy, and basically. He. This is going to be the most ADHD storytelling of this, and I'm so sorry for it's everyone okay. listening. They are, like, centralized on this one planet where all of these flowers are growing. And yeah. from the one flower. And sailor, all the Sailor Scouts have to destroy this flower or defeat this energy so that they don't basically take over humanity. Right. They're basically just fighting bad feelings. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the whole the whole way that they, you know, I, and to get into maybe specifics of what happens throughout the story and our reactions to that might come later. And this is what is going to continue to happen if I lead off uh-huh. on stories because okay. my ADHD will not let me remember chronologically what what happened. So yeah, they're at they're at the fountain. There's like that scene. Do they kiss or do they almost kiss? I, I think, think they they almost kiss. Because then, yeah, that's when we have Fiore suddenly appearing, this alien boy, and he's kind of like, who's this bitch? You know, because he sees Sailor Moon there with his Memoru, and we get this insight, right, that they have kind of a history from childhood. Yes. And it was, I think we, we touched on this a little bit, but it was because Memoru gives him a rose. Mamoru gives the rose to Fiore. And Fiore leaves to go find the perfect flower right. to, like, return the favor. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so now he showed up because he has found the perfect flower, which happens to be a flower with a little alien woman in it that's controlling <laughs> his mind and spreading <laughs> evil emotions. Yeah, I think he kind of misunderstood his own assignment. Yeah. So, yeah. So it turns into, yeah, a little jealous confrontation between them. Yeah, Soggy, I remember she's talking to the other girls and was like, that was weird, right? Like he, like yeah. that strange man loves my boyfriend, right? Like they're like, yeah. but I think what's so sweet about this moment is that none of the girls are like, ew, he's gay. They're just like, oh, yeah, it's just, it's just accepted yeah. and it's very beautiful. Like even though that there's this weird love triangle, it's beautiful that they're only upset as if it was on any other relationship. And like, yeah, that was weird. Like That, that stood out right away, especially considering yeah. when this came out. Yeah. It was so long ago. <laughs> the fact that there are these these themes of homosexuality and these characters, and it's all just treated as like completely normal. Right. There's no, as no it attention be. drawn yes. to it. Yeah. <laughs> After that, right, is when uh, Luna and Artemis discover that there's an asteroid heading to Earth and they can detect traces of life on it because 
they're magical cats and of mm-hmm. course they can you know read that kind of stuff there is that weird tension between sailor moon and uh or usagi mm-hmm. and Memoru. yeah and and fiore seems to also feel that same tension yeah, a little well. bit of a love triangle <laughs> yeah because she feels like he he lied to her right because yeah. he says that he was an orphan and didn't know anybody as a child and but I think even he himself doesn't really remember this. He thinks it's like a dream. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't Which think he's real. Sense. That also ties into the story really well because yeah. he was a kid coming through a lot of trauma. And, like, of course, that state of his life would feel like a fever dream. Well, yeah, also, if I was a child and I had a memory of an alien boy <laughs> uh, going into space to find a flower, I'd probably be like, that was probably a dream. <laughs> I don't think that actually happened. I, I don't think you're willingly giving up that information, <laughs> like, on a first date. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But this is when Fiore, who's, you know, being influenced by this evil flower, he returns with his uh, his flower monster henchwoman, as they <laughs> describe it on Wikipedia. And this is when we get our first uh, fight scene. And this is where it was like, all right, like once we kick in the gear, we got the transformation sequences and the attacks it was like, all right, this is what I remember from Sailor Moon. And it did feel like they had maybe some new like attack animations or something that I can imagine that being a bullet point for the movie that, you know, you get to see these new animations. Mm-hmm. All that stuff still really cool. It, it is funny to me that basically every episode you get the transformation scene and it's the same thing every time. It still slaps. It's still <laughs> awesome, you know. So I guess the Sailor Moons, the Sailor Moons, the Sailor Scouts fuck these guys up, right? And Easily, yes. Yes. But this, I think this is when, like, Fiore appears and he winds up, like, severely injuring all of them. And this is when, right, he, he tries to attack Usagi and Mamoru, like, jumps in the way or something, like, takes the attack, it's mm-hmm. injured. And Fiore snaps out of it enough to take... Mamoru up to the asteroid to try and like heal him and I think it's funny because I think Sailor Moon is like very much in her feelings about all of this and like isn't like jumping to rescue him because she's like who the fuck is this what is going on here I think that's a common theme though for Usagi she's very clumsy she's very emotional she has a really big heart but like she feels like every feeling yeah that is very big for her yeah but I think this is when Mamoru remembers Mamoru. I'm never. I'm gonna say it differently every single time. It's okay. Because I still. He's Darian. All right. I'm gonna call him Darian. (laughs) That's easier for me. Call him Darian. You call him Mamoru. I'm gonna call him Darian. (laughs) So Darian, he remembers what happened. He remembers that this was an imaginary friend. That this was a little alien boy that he knew. So he restores his memory a bit. And meanwhile, the Sailor Scouts are learning that this flower. All right, boy. He's having a little too much fun cleaning himself. Um, but this is when the Sailor Guardians realize, like, this flower has the power to kind of take over the Earth and spread, like, these evil feelings or whatever. So it's, it becomes clear, like, the Sailor Scouts are going to have to go up to the asteroid for the final fight, finish this once and for all. I think Usagi's, like, a little reluctant because she's still kind of, like... Not trusting Darian, you know, but they go up there for that final confrontation. Once they're up on the asteroid, there's the big fight scene with all the flower monsters. <laughs> um, Which honestly is a very pretty scene for how threatening it is, because like there's just this endless fields of like really beautiful flowers, yeah. but it they're all like dangerous. <laughs> right, but this is also when. Darian does his thing. He throws the rose at Fiore to try and stop him. And this, which now thinking about it, is very interesting. Once we get mm. to the next plot point of him using roses, which I don't oh, think yeah. I ever really connected. Yeah, I mean, I I never saw this movie, so I I didn't get the backstory. But why don't you say like what is the reveal there? Well, I think at around this time, this is where we find out that Usagi gave. Mamoru the rose. Yeah. And then that he regifted. He regifted it to yeah. his alien boy lover. And a little fucked up. <laughs> honestly. It is, but also it's sweet in a way because it connects all of them back together now at the present and you know yeah, Fiore realizes like, oh, that was from her. She she really does have a big heart. She's not trying to steal <laughs> 
tuxedo mask from me. She yeah. just is a very sweet, loving, kind person. Yeah, so I think that's the thing that like snaps Fiore out of it and brings him back. And but unfortunately, uh, the and again, I think I messed up the chronological order of this because this is where hmm. before he f- figures this out, I'm pretty sure he basically has Sailor Moon clinging on to life because she sacrificed herself in order to save everybody else. Yeah, well, I think that's what happens next is that when Fiore comes back, he allows himself to get obliterated by Sailor Moon's uh, (laughs) attack. Then, you know, the Sailor Guardians, they combine their energy to divert the asteroid, and Sailor Moon winds up dying during all this after she becomes Serenity. Dude, I... (laughs) (laughs) there is so much i'm having so much trouble getting through this what's hard about before we even realize getting into this is that there's just so much backstory that goes into this movie and this was literally just supposed to be a trip down nostalgia lane and it is not it is (laughs) absolutely not that listen i want to get into that when we talk about our final thoughts because this has been an interesting episode to make I'll just say, just to wrap things up, Sailor Moon dies of exhaustion, everybody's grieving, but then of course in the aftermath, when everyone's all sad, the spirit of Fiori comes back and revives Sailor Moon, and so everyone's able to live happily ever after. Because he found another flower, right? Like he found like an actual good flower that was supposed to help. He finds this flower and so tuxedo mask, Puts it on his lips. Go yes. ahead. And, and has a little Snow White moment where he yes. kisses her and everything's fine. Snow White or Sleeping Beauty? Are they both the same? Yeah, it's both weird older men just uh, kissing okay. younger women to save them. Yes. Which, can we touch on that? I yes, don't know if that's please. controversial. Yes, how, of course it's controversial. How old is Tuxedo Mask okay. supposed to be? <laughs> so, canonically, Tuxedo Mask is supposed to be 16 or 17. I don't... Okay know why he's, that man looks a lot older yes than that. he is drawn like a full-grown adult and yes. usagi is supposed to be 13 or 14. is he in high school with them no yes no i don't, I don't know. know because i will say just for anyone who's like what in the world is going on right now with this <laughs> i have only watched sailor moon as a like trip down nostalgia lane it's like okay. it and i yeah. don't Follow all of the lore super closely. That's okay. We don't got to apologize for that. I was going to get into, I mean, we, listen, <laughs> we, watching the movie, I will say fully, because let's, let's go ahead. Sailor Moon gets revived by the Sleeping Beauty thing. Yes. Everyone lives happily ever after. Uh, I will say, when we, let's get into our final thoughts. So, overall... I enjoyed watching this a lot. It was definitely like very intense nostalgia, especially when they got into like the transformations and stuff that's like straight from the show. Mm-hmm. It was like, yes, this is very cozy. I love this. Uh, bringing back a lot of memories. So I had, a, I had a really good time. I really enjoyed it, even though the whole time I was kind of like, <laughs> I have no <laughs> idea what's going on, <laughs> but hey, I'm along for a ride. I'm having fun. And I feel the same way. Yeah. I, I <laughs> love watching stuff with Sailor Moon. Now, as I have told Todd hundreds of times, if you can ask me to recount all of Sailor Moon lore, I cannot do oh, it. Oh, no, me neither. I cannot, I cannot do it. I don't completely understand it. And, you know, that's not the point of this podcast is for me to explain all the Sailor yeah. Moon lore to you because I can't. <laughs> no, this is, not, this is not a Sailor Moon podcast. We, <laughs> we don't need to go into all that. We could save that energy for one piece. But, I mean, even back then, if you had asked me when I was watching it every day to explain all the lore and stuff, I don't think I could have done it. I no, think, I, I think I it would have just been like, I don't know, they turn in the Sailor Scouts, they beat up aliens while they're dancing around, and it's a good time, you know. And and with the movie, it's funny because, um, yeah, when it was over, I was like, I really enjoyed that. You're going to have to explain the story to me. And that gave me so much anxiety because I'm I'm like, I cannot. Like, I just, I'm not going to get into my whole background or anything. But, like, remembering stuff is hard for me. (laughs) Yeah. And when we sat down and started trying to go through it, it was a moment of, like, 
oh, geez, like neither of us really understand. But like I said, we we still really enjoyed it. Um, it's still like, it, it's like I said, getting that nostalgia hit and the fact that the last time I saw it was that like super Americanized version. This for me was the first time seeing the version that's like more restored to the original. Like we even, we watched it in Japanese with subtitles, mm-hmm. which I've never watched Sailor Moon like that. Yeah, I never watched Sailor Moon like that either until later when I started rewatching the old seasons. And oh yeah. I, I, I love Sailor Moon for Usagi being a silly, clumsy, kind-hearted person. Yeah. And that is about the extent of Sailor Moon knowledge that I have. I mean, not completely, but I mean, like, that is the gist of why I watch it is because it's comfortable and it's nostalgic. Yeah. And like I said, I, I felt that, that nostalgia too. I don't know if I've touched on that in the podcast, but I, I'm generally someone who's like very resistant to nostalgia. You know, like there's a lot of stuff that I'm, I'm really into like video games and stuff that, yeah, I have a, I have a long history of playing all kinds of games when I was a kid, like on Super Nintendo and ColecoVision and stuff. But for whatever reason, I don't really hold a lot of nostalgia for that stuff. I'm kind of always just looking forward at like what's what's next, what's new, you know? For whatever reason, when it comes to anime, I don't know if it was like a specific time in my life, if it's because it stood out as something so different and exciting and taboo almost in some ways. There is something that like it tapped into that now when I watch the stuff as an adult, even watching like we've spent some time watching trailers of old stuff, it it's the first thing that really hits that nostalgia for me. Mm-hmm. And this movie hit that too, very much. So yeah. I was I was excited to watch it because it was like I was excited to revisit this stuff. So I'm glad you picked this one. I don't know how you feel about all that. Well, I mean, I'm I'm glad I, I will say I'm glad I picked it just to watch it for the nostalgia. I think I'm nervous because I I really can't be the person to explain all of that. Especially, okay. it's been like I think a week or a, it's been two like two weeks, weeks since we since watched we it, it yeah. which does not help me at all. No, that's okay. So. Listen, I'm okay taking over that kind of stuff. You can just be here, help me out <laughs> with the commentary, give me your insights. I think that's what we're good at. Yeah, I feel. I feel good about that. I don't know if you had any other final well, thoughts about this. Yeah, I think, I mean, Sailor Moon overall is is a very good empowering story just for anybody, not just, you know, young girls or, yeah. you know, women in general. I think it's a good story. Like you said, you were into magical girl stuff when you were a kid. And yep. I think it's just really heartwarming to see, like, some of this stuff still trends. People still love Sailor Moon. Yeah. And even though I, I, you know, I can't accurately describe every single piece and corner of lore for Sailor Moon, I still enjoy watching it. Yes. Yep. I still had a very good time. So, yeah, unless you had anything else to add, I think the next side piece episode, we're going to dive into something from uh, my childhood again. Um, and I think that after that, we're going to take a mini break to get into like more recent stuff because we've definitely not kept up on uh, a lot of that but you can look forward to the next one being something that probably is way too much blood and anime titties from (laughs) when i was a kid because that was what i was watching yeah i will say at this point there's probably not much more of my Choices that could go into side piece just because well, there's still Miyazaki stuff. There, there's some Miyazaki stuff, and you know, like other stuff I didn't watch until I got older. I mean, I watched a lot of Full Metal Alchemist too, like we talked about. Yeah, I mean, you and introduced like, me to that, and that I, I think that was one of the things that got me back into anime because I don't know if we really went into it. Like, I, I was very, very into anime in that era, like middle school through like right after high school, but I had this point where I fell off hard and like stopped watching it completely until a few years ago and I think it started with it definitely started with One Punch Man that was one but also Full Metal Alchemist which you got me to watch and that made me feel like oh yeah anime like the stuff <laughs> I remember this, this is pretty cool and I'm I'm glad that uh that happened because now that we're getting back into all this other stuff it's like yeah anime's still pretty cool huh yeah I 
I, I will say, like, you know, when I was in middle school, I spent a lot of my time just watching Full Metal Alchemist. And then, like, I, I think I've mentioned before, where I would just watch random things with my friend in middle school, which uh, we've already tried digging back in my brain to try and figure out what any of that was. And I do not think I'll ever know. I'm sure we'll f- it'll probably pop up and you'll recognize it or something. Yeah. yeah, this has been fun going back, like I said, digging through the nostalgia. But I am also looking forward to watching some of the newer stuff to see like what is hitting right now. Um, I will say some of the stuff that I've seen, like, it, I don't know. I, we'll probably get into it later. But but yeah, it is it is fun getting back into this. It's, it's fun having an excuse to watch the stuff and to be able to sit down and talk to you about it. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah, I think I just spend a little bit too much time worrying about having all of the accurate facts and everything when really a lot yeah, of who cares? a lot of my my reasoning for watching this stuff is like emotional rather than like, oh, I, I want to have this like great detail of story and no, like I, I just like watching it. Yeah, and I, I think that's there's something fun to come coming at it from that perspective where we're not trying to act like we're the experts or the super fans because we're not coming at this from that kind of point of view i think is uh hopefully something that you know there's an audience for it people can enjoy listening to but uh why don't we wrap this up why don't you uh tell them where they could find us we're straw hat social club everywhere and mm-hmm. now as i'm saying this I think there was one episode where I said we had issues with YouTube and it's Straw Hat Social Pod. That's not an issue anymore. Fix that issue. Yeah. So. I mean, they just. But you see, it's it's on our webpage. Everything is Straw Hat Social Club. Yeah, we're mostly, I'd say, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Mm -hmm. And you can find us. Just Google us. Everything will pop up. So uh, I think after this, we're going to get back to One Piece. So once again, we are. Straw Hat Social Club, and you can catch us next week. 